Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome back, everybody. I hope you enjoyed part one. This is part two of our week one episode as we now start to take a look at Titans versus Broncos and the 2020 season as a whole for the Titans. We're going to have Brandon Perna from That's Good Sports on later on in this part two to talk about the Denver Broncos. Uh, as we were on the phone with Brandon Perna, the Von Miller news was tweeted out by Ian Rappaport and Mike Garofolo. So you'll get to see his or hear his live reaction uh, to that. So that's going to be a lot of fun. But as we start to talk about the Titans in this season, guys, you know my column that I'm writing for it's, will have already been written when this is out is the idea that it's time for the training wheels to come off for the Titans. This is a team that, and I said it in the middle of last season, it's going to break one way or the other. Either they're going to get out of this rut of win one, lose one, win one, lose one, and be really, really bad, or they're going to come out of it and be really, really good. Well, they came out and were very good, obviously, in the postseason. It's time to build off of that. The days of 9-7 and seven and slow starts, and you get to November and you have to check the scoreboard to see if there's any shot in God's green earth that they're going to get to the playoffs. It's time for those days to be over. This team is too talented for that. They ha- there's too much continuity from last season for that. And yeah, you know, they're going to talk about, well, every season's a new season. They had so much success at the end of last season and grew so much that you have to build off of that. It's time for the training wheels to come off and for this team to reach its full potential. Yeah, can we can we just win the division already? If I have to see the Bill O'Brien Texans win the division again, <laughs> or if I have to see Phillip Rivers' dead arm lead that team, lead the Colts, to a division victory over us, I'm just going to... I'm going to be so upset, even though we're probably going to make the playoffs anyway because the NFL expanded to seven playoff teams, which I feel like just really increases your margin for error because, like you said, we've gone 9-7, and seven, what, four straight years now? That's just 9-7 and seven is going to make the playoffs nowadays regardless of, uh, regardless of whether you win the division or not. So I think the times are in good shape in terms of getting back to the playoffs, but... It would just be so nice to actually win the division because we haven't done it in so long. Uh, it's been 2008, right? That's the last time when we went 13-3 and with Jeff Fisher. Uh, that's the last time we won the division, and it just feels like an eternity ago. Yeah, I mean, 12 years. Like, 2008 sounds pretty close because, you know, that's what happens when you get older. But, like, it's 12 years ago. That's the entire career of Andrew Luck and then some. So I, I don't know, like I, I'm completely with you. Like, I think this is the year where your questions about your quarterback aren't, is he going to finally take the next step? It's, is he going to sustain what he's already done? And it's the same thing with most of the positions on offense. And then on defense, it's, you know, your biggest question is, can you replace a 30 year old defensive tackle? Like 
I mean, if that's your biggest question on either side of the ball, you should be fine. Like, so there's really no excuses. The continuity says that they should start off strong. I mean, I'm crossing my fingers because this is one of those times where I feel like I'm going to pull my hair out if they don't win the division because they're clearly the best team. I just, I, I don't know what could get in their way. And yet I've said that before and I, I don't know. Like, I just feel like until they get over that hump, I won't believe it's going to happen. Well, they've got the tools to do it. I mean, we, we talked in the last part about Clowney coming in and, and the pass rush obviously you know, going to be a lot better this year. That's element number one to this is being able to consistently get after the quarterback. And I, I've talked to so many, you know, this is the time of year where a lot of people who are casual fans, as I'm sure you guys experience, you know, come up, hey, what do you think the Titans are going to do this year? Because, you know, they know that I do a podcast and write about the Titans. And, and what I keep telling them is, well, if Mike Vrabel would grow some balls and stop rushing three on third down, they might be a pretty good football team. It's time for that to end, too. Gosh. And, Will, you're number one proponent of that, usually. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, like, I was going to try to let you give your space. But, yeah, like, the, the, the problem, and you can see it right now better than you can at any other time in the year, is – this is what it leads to is you play for coverage. Then everybody talks about how you don't have a bunch of sacks, even though you're 13th. Like last year, the Titans were 13th in the NFL in sacks. It's above average, just outside the top 10. Like that's not a bad place to be, especially when you consider, you know, kind of what they had on the field compared to what they have now. But because you didn't blitz and because you don't get to the quarterback, whenever teams talk about you or whenever, commentators talk about you they reference how you know you need to get to the quarterback more and you need to but even though the scheme of your defense was built around dropping dropping eight or whatever and rushing three or four depending on you know how aggressive he was feeling like you get this weird thought process in the air and i don't know i don't want to say that sacks are the end all be all because they're not but they are also a significant measure of which teams are the most successful at disrupting other teams' offenses. So I, I don't know. Like, you don't have to blitz all the time, but I just cannot see this basically prevent defense bailing often bad offenses out by giving them all the time in the world. So if you can get there with four or three, great. But if you're like 99% of the teams in the NFL over the past 10 years and you need to blitz – blitz like don't just drop everybody and be so scared of getting beat well this is the week of all weeks to send the house because the denver broncos offensive line stinks i mean we're going to talk a little bit about that with brandon perna but you know their starting right tackle opted out because of the coronavirus so they've got elijah wilkinson playing right tackle who did start several games for him last year due to injury to Jawan james but, I mean, this isn't a guy you want to be starting for a long period of time. you got knucklehead Garrett Bowles still playing left tackle. Um, it, it's, a, uh, it's a tough situation that the Broncos find themselves in with their offensive line. And this, is, this needs to be a week where we see sort of right off the bat, I don't know that they'll have Beasley, but they're going to have Clowney. They're going to have Harold Landry. They're going to have Kamale Correa. you got to let those guys get after Drew Locke this week. Yeah, this this is a really uninspiring unit uh, all, because of all the things you mentioned. I think Cushenberry and Reisner are really the only ones who I think are— well, Cushenberry's a rookie, so we don't really know what he's going to be. Uh, but he was a really good prospect, and so was Reisner. 
So those guys are solid. The rest are, it's bad. Like the Titans defensive line, even with four, they should be winning their matchups pretty much all the time. And I think they will. I don't think the Broncos are going to be able to get anything on the ground, really. Like Melvin Gordon's going to have a real tough go of it uh, just because that offensive line shouldn't be able to to hold, really. They're, they're okay in run blocking. Probably, they're probably worse in pass blocking. But I feel like the Titans just have too much firepower on the defensive line. And, and also, like we talked about, if Vrabel is a little bit more liberal with all of the blitzes. I just feel like the Titans can get home very often, especially because we've seen Jayon Brown and Rashad and the Evans be so uh, be so efficient getting to the quarterback on a lot of these misdirections, a lot of these uh, schemed-up plays. So it's definitely going to be a nice matchup. I feel like the Titans should win that one. And if they fluster Locke with a lot of, uh, with a lot of pressure, I think that's probably going to de- determine whether the Titans win this game or not. Yeah, wouldn't it be fun? Like, and this is not not outlandish or anything, but what if the Titans just decided to come out in a five man front, like a traditional like three four look with their ends lined, you know, walked up, and they had Landry on Bowles which, you know, he because he struggles with speed. Then you have those three interior defenders on those three offensive linemen. And then you have Jadavian Clowney line up uh, against the backup right tackle. And you just say, okay, we're going to put the guy who gets in trouble for holds all the time against the guy who draws holds all the time. We're going to put Jeffrey Simmons square up with your rookie. And then we're going to put uh, Jones on Reisner. And we're going to put either Isaiah Mack or Jack Crawford or whoever you want to put Royal Murchison uh, against the other, the new right guard. And then you just have Clowney absolutely bulldoze this guy who's got a hurt foot and who's the back offensive tackle anyway. Like it sometimes football doesn't have to be hard. And I feel like if you do that, it won't be very hard because you'll just constantly be in Drew Locke's lap. So I I don't know. I would love to see that frequently. I don't know how, like we said five minutes ago, the Titans haven't been historically aggressive lately. So I don't imagine we will see that, but it would be a big kind of statement moment if on Monday night football, Vrabel without Dean Pease as the defensive coordinator and with Shane Bowen as kind of his co-defensive coordinator or assistant or whatever you want to call him it decide to say like we're going to be aggressive and this team's not just going to be somebody that relies on derrick henry but we're also going to try to attack the other team's offense like that would be such a fun statement to make in prime time yeah no more no more dean p's prevent defense on like third and 12 please can't yeah can't take and and you know, like I love Dean Pease. I'm I'm a big Dean Pease guy. I wasn't at the end of last year because he stopped being aggressive, and I very much hate that. But the Titans are going to miss his kind of like they call him the tip sheets and stuff, where he kind of breaks down what teams like to do. But that doesn't mean that we should expect this team to take a step back on defense. Like this is very much a year where if you're head coach is a defensive minded guy and you change defensive coordinators, it's essentially his job to say, okay, you know, everybody get behind me. If this, if the guy calling the plays can't do it, we're going to fix it quick. And I'm going to address it now. Like that's his entire job. I wonder who's going to call plays. (laughs) We we don't know the answer to that. Probably stretch. I think it's going to be Bowen. 
He's probably yeah. going to be up at the booth, right? Yeah, they, uh, Mike Keith, uh, I, I don't know if, yeah, I'll say it. Mike Keith uh, on the podcast, not our podcast or anything, but on their podcast, I think he called Shane Bowen the defensive coordinator. Like, it might have yeah. been a slip of the tongue or whatever, but he, Mike Keith has called Shane Bowen the defensive coordinator before, and he does also go out when all the, the offensive coordinator, defense coordinator, special teams coach goes, so... You would assume that that's it. I don't know why he's not letting him have that title. That seems like a jerk thing to it do. It seems Belichickian is what it seems like. Um, yeah, miserable. With, with the Broncos, I also want to hit on uh, Jarrell Casey because obviously that's a player we know very, very well from his many years that he spent here in Tennessee. And we like to, you know, we'll especially uh, talk about how he was declining, and he certainly was. But this feels like a game where even if the Titans win overwhelmingly, Jarrell Casey's still making an impact in this game, guys. Like, you know, the Clowney took his jersey number. He's mad that the Titans traded him. He's given them, you know, tips about the Titans' defense. Um, you know, this is a week where I think Jarrell Casey's going to make an impact. Yeah, he's probably going to get, like, two sacks, maybe a forced fumble in there. I mean – He's going to go up against, first of all, he's mad. He's obviously mad. This is like the quintessential revenge narrative game, you know? Oh, so absolutely. he's he's probably going to go off, especially if he lines up very often on Nate Davis, who we know has severe pass-blocking limitations. Uh, if they run a couple of stunts, with, which Casey is so adept at, and he gets lined up on Davis, it's just it's it's not going to go very well. So... I would try to get him a little help, especially because they don't really have, uh, especially with Vaughn Miller uh, injured. Chubb and Casey are really the the guys that you have to worry about. The rest aren't, they're not really that dangerous. You know, they don't really demand too much attention. So I think from like a schematic point of view, I think Keith Carter should be able to, you know, limit uh, the damage that the Broncos defensive line has. But Keith Carter doesn't exactly inspire confidence. Uh, our O-line coach, by the way, for those who don't know, we've talked about him well, so was, much on He was Tennessee's podcast. most wanted about week seven last year. Mm-hmm. He was, he was, he was. But I feel like the, the O-line should hold its own, and we just have to assume that Casey will, will have a big game. Well, the good news is, is Jarrell Casey's never had a sack in a home opener. Sorry, in a week one home opener, I should say that. And he's also only had three in his first nine games. Uh, or so, I, I guess I guess that phrasing is weird again. He's only had three sacks in any week one game throughout the course of his career. He's not a guy who typically starts strong. He kind of rolls into being better, like, and then he kind of disappears for a little wrong. bit. And then he, yeah, I mean, that's it's just how he is. Like, it, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. He, like, he's not. Again, I, I promise I'm not trying to be harsh on Jarrell Casey right now, but he, his body type is not one that lends itself to playing in early season games. Like he's going to have to work himself into good shape. Like last year, he didn't even really do much, right? Like, didn't he just kind of was in the sand pit and kind of like over with Jeffrey Simmons for a while? Like, and not so that's not important. Yeah. But I mean, it's like, Okay, yeah, like I'm not going to say he was dragging it out or anything like that, but I'm sure he also wasn't in a big rush to get back to training camp. But, uh, you know, that that's not that's not my point here. My point is just that he's not a guy who 
when he's at his best, it's not because he's getting penetration in the backfield and immediately making a play. It's because he's so quick to get in his gap that it kind of messes things. It's that classic quote unquote disruption that everybody talks about without having a specific meaning to it. Like when he's at his best, he's disruptive like that. He's making tackles for zero yards. He's making tackles for one yard gains or one yard losses. And then he's getting back in the quarterback's face and making him move off his spot. It's not because he just, you know, manhandles a guard and moves him out of the way. Having said that, Nate Davis is the kind of guard you could do that to. So, you know, I, I, I am I am concerned. But also, the Titans aren't the team that drops back and has a seven-strap drop pass. Like, I mean, they do it every now and then. But if they're going to hit a deep play, they're going to do it off play action. I mean, they're going to do a lot to make it very difficult for any interior pressure to get there because they're going to they should be paying so much attention to Derrick Henry that it should be difficult. So. You know, I, I think that Jarrell Casey will be in this game. I don't know that we'll notice it the first or second series if it's not directly pointed out to us because I just don't think he'll make an impact. But he is one of those players who, I guess, since he is mad, he could sneaky have a big play if the Broncos are, like, down 21 points and he makes a, makes a tackle for loss on Derrick Henry. Like, maybe that's his big play or something. But – I'm just not super concerned about because it's not like the Titans try to trick people anyway. Like I, they're pretty. I, I, I think you're going to be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> it is a good we point should, that we they should get bet the ball on this. out very quickly. We should yeah. bet on this and see like live on air and say like what kind of stat line we think he'll have. Like Let's if do it right think, now. Let's do it right okay. now. Okay. Uh, over under 0.5 sacks. Do you think he has a sack? Over. Oh, I go over easy. Yeah. Th- they're this, gonna, this they're going to try to get him a sack, be like a stat padded sack. <laughs> uh, okay, I I for sure go under. I don't think he gets to. I don't think he gets to the quarterback. Um, okay, let's say over under one and a half tackles for loss. Uh, does, push. Does a sack count as a tackle for loss? No. Oh, then no, no chance. I just, uh, I mean, I think he tackles gets, for loss did he have last year? Like eight? Five or something all year long? Yeah, no, he's not. <laughs> that's why he's not. He's he, not also, he also had five sacks and 800 snaps last year. So he, he's way more likely to get a sack than a tackle for loss. Yeah, he had five sacks and five tackles for loss last year. And I think, I, I don't know if this is true, but I think they might count sacks as tackles for loss. No, so no. They don't. <laughs> they don't. Okay. They don't. They okay. don't. That, that does help. Okay. Uh, no, I see it now. He did have a seat. Okay. <laughs> that was exactly, I was like, only plays he made. Uh, I mean, I think he ends up with, okay, so I'm, I'm under on both of those and y'all are both over or Matias, you're not over on. I don't one and think a half he has, a, I don't think he has, you know, one and a half TFLs. I think we'll have a sack. Definitely. Yeah. Same. You think he has 20, I mean, that would be 20% of his production last year. In terms of sacks. It's one game against his lifelong team. Come on. Well, that's such a stretch. We're like, I think he'll have a sack. And you're like, you'll think he'll have 20% of his production. <laughs> he doesn't get a lot of sacks. Like, that's the thing. Is it's like, <laughs> like, I just don't think he'll get it. Like, I don't know. I, I we've, we've stated our cases. I think he's going to be either we've blanked out or he'll have one of those, like, two tackles, stat lines or something. Like, I don't think he'll make any negative plays. Well, What's his PFF uh, grade going to be? 
We're about uh, to get a real one. 74.3. It's, it's, it's 90. Yeah. <laughs> if, he, if he has zero tackles, it'll be a 90. It's late Tuesday night. We're about to get a britches report from Jim Wyatt, so stay tuned for that. Uh, right now, we're going to welcome uh, Brandon Perna from That's Good Sports onto the show. Uh, so that will be uh, a lot of fun. We look forward to talking with Brandon. So we're going to bring Brandon on to the show, and then we're going to have Stop the Nonsense. All right, so we are joined now by uh, Brandon Perna, who has been covering the Broncos on YouTube for quite some time. Brandon, the first time I watched you, I was just telling them, was after the uh, Seattle Super Bowl debacle. Uh, which obviously was oh, not, a, yeah, which obviously was not a great reaction from you after that game. That a few years later things turned around in that Panthers game. Um, you know, th- this Broncos team, Brandon, has had a lot of, I think, excitement and interest because for one reason I think a lot of people don't know what to think, but then on the other hand, you see things that you kind of know what you what what they are. You know, Cortland Sutton, everyone knows, is a very talented receiver. Everyone knows what Vaughn Miller and Bradley Chubb can do. So j- just from your perspective as we start, as someone that's in Denver and, and, and knows this team, what are we supposed to expect from them this year? Um, I, like, I would say that you can expect total and utter domination of the entire NFL. Yes. <laughs> That's all. That's I mean, it. That's team starting with the Titans. With the Titans. Week one. Uh, I mean, like, here's the thing. Right now, what I think Broncos fans are most excited about is the, the quarterback, Drew Locke. And it has been uh, since Peyton Manning, really, since we have gone into a season with some semblance of confidence at that position. So, you know, everything kind of starts from there. The defense last year took about four games to, to really get going. But once they kind of figured out Vic Fangio's uh, scheme and how he runs things, the defense was really good last season. And uh, kind of gets overlooked because, you know, the Broncos finished with a losing record again. And I would like to thank Tennessee for really uh, giving the Broncos confidence with oh their uh, one shutout, uh, you know, last year. But also, we helped you guys find Ryan Tannehill. So I feel like it was a win-win for, for both of us. But Drew Locke playing Good football this year, uh, not guaranteed, but uh, I think people are excited and we kind of believe that that's going to happen. Um, defense, they lose like Chris Harris Jr., but we did not have um, Bryce Callahan play last year, who was a free agent. He had an injury. They went out and got you know, A.J. Boye to lock down that other side. So they pair with Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons in the secondary, and you guys have pretty good safeties as well. So, like, there's a lot to be excited about. Do I think the Broncos can go 12-4? and Yes. Could they go 4-12 and again? I think, sure, that's every team this year. There's so much unknown because of uh, the whole, you know, pandemic thing. But, uh, the what? yeah, mostly excited about the quarterback. The, there's like this pandemic happening. I there don't know is? if you guys have heard about it, but it's, oh. it's like pretty, pretty like uh, like a pain for a lot of people. Hmm, I'll have to look into that. 
<laughs> yeah, I have I have heard about that. Uh, I, I did see it was going around. So uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about Drew Locke, which you mentioned, but more specifically his connection with Cortland Sutton, which by all accounts in training camp, they look like they're probably going to be one of, one of the better quarterback wide receiver duos over the next couple of seasons. Uh, what can you tell us about how their skill sets match and how do you think Jared Judy is going to fit into the offense? Do you think he's going to take away some looks, or do you think it's actually going to help Sudden open up because he won't be uh, the main receiver that defenses will key on? Yeah, I think they'll be complimentary. Uh, like Cortland Sutton, he's he's just like a freak. So I think with him, but early on, I think like two of the first three touchdown passes Drew Locke threw were to Cortland Sutton. Or at least two two of them that went to Sutton were ninety nine percent Cortland Sutton just making like an amazing play on the ball right like Drew Locks just got to get the ball close to him and he's going to to bring it down that's like the type of receiver he is uh, Jerry Judy from I, I would say next to Drew Lock there's more excitement around Jerry Judy than any player coming out of like Broncos training camp from like the local media and, you know, that sort of news buzz because, like, his route running's great. The uh, guys in the secondary are, are talking him up. So I think, like, right away you're going to get a rookie who can go in and sort of play like a pro. And if you have Sutton as this sort of deep threat type home run hitter and Jerry Judy is a guy who can work every part of the field – that's going to benefit, you know, a young quarterback. And then they, they also drafted, uh, you know, KJ Hamler, who's not going to play right away. He's got like a hamstring injury. I don't know if he's going to be limited this week or whatever, but uh, having him in the mix there could be really dangerous. And then there's this other guy on the team that doesn't get a lot of probably like national attention and Tim Patrick, who's also just like a solid receiver and if he gets more involved in the offense I think that'll be nice and then the tight ends like Noah Fant had a great rookie year he should be better Jake Butt has looked really good throughout training camp he's finally getting healthy and I think like the Broncos have had tight end problems for a long time but this season it should be different and Drew Locke should have plenty of options in the passing game assuming the offensive line uh, sort of holds together and that's that's like a another question. That's probably the biggest question mark on offense is can the, the offensive line gel with sort of the changes and shuffling they've had there. Brandon, I don't mean yeah. to I don't mean to freak you out. Sorry to interrupt. Matias just just sent us this DM. Mike Garofolo literally just tweeted that uh, Von Miller was hurt in practice today and is undergoing an MRI right now. Uh, oh shit, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought I thought you were uh, gonna try to. And Ian Rappaport uh, says Ian Rappaport adds that the fear is that he's done for the season. Y- your thoughts on the Broncos' oh. best player season maybe this being over crazy. before it starts? Yeah. Wow. Well, <laughs> I guess I would say uh, it's uh, the Bradley Chubb show yes. who was hurt all of last season. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's gonna suck. Yeah, that's going to I mean, suck. Sure. like here's the thing too. Like <laughs> Von Miller, 
even last year didn't have like a ton of sack numbers, but he's like the guy that does a ton of things on defense and he's the best player on defense and losing him. It, it's a gut punch. I thought you guys were tricking me. No. And now <laughs> as soon as I refresh Twitter, Gosh. the first 10 tweets are all about the injury. And so I might have to go throw up uh, yeah. right now. I wow. Mean, I mean, That's it's pretty shocking too. I mean, I'm yeah. shocked. Truly, truly not fun. Uh, my my, the best man at my wedding is a big Broncos fan, so I was gonna have this big lead in about like tell him why you know the offensive line is gonna get him killed behind Jeffrey Simmons and all these guys, but now it just feels like overkill to throw that in his face. Uh, well, uh, but how yeah. about, let's talk about how good Bradley Chubb is because nobody really talks about how good his rookie year was because they've all forgotten after last year. But if he's healthy. I don't want to say he could be Von Miller level because Von Miller is an absolute stud when healthy. But like you said, it's not like he's an 18 sack a year guy necessarily. Whereas Chubb had 10 as a rookie, I think maybe more. So what let's say that now you've got to put everything on Chubb's plate. Do you feel confident with him as the alpha number one, if he's healthy, like everybody says he is? Uh, no, I mean, <laughs> y- yes, that like, I think you can, I think Chubb can put up really good production and I think he can be a, a really good, uh, a, a really well-rounded sort of, you know, edge rusher. But, uh, Von Miller is just like one of those guys you don't really replace. You know what I mean? Uh, I, <clears throat> I think. There are some other guys, like there's this guy Malik Reed who played a, a lot last season behind Bradley Chubb. I think he can come in and fill in adequately, uh, similar to what the Broncos had with Shaquille Barrett before they let him go to Tampa Bay so he can get 19 and a half sacks there. Um, but yeah, it, it's like there, there's talent there. And Vic Fangio will you know, use guys appropriately and having Jarrell Casey on the line, thank you, uh, Tennessee, will you know, will be nice. But yeah, you just don't you don't you don't replace Von Miller's production in with anybody until well, like, you know, that next major guy lands on your team. And I, like I don't know if Chubb's that just because he was hurt for so long last season. I mean I'm good I'm, I'm not like that- a br- go ahead, Will. Well, I was going to say the good news is uh, the Titans used Drew Casey as a stand-up edge rusher because our depth got so thin, and I mean he was pretty terrible at that. But he does have experience. If y'all just need to throw a body in there, yeah, um, he'll do it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even a, I'm not a Broncos fan or anything, but I'm like sick to my stomach after seeing that Von Miller news. Like, I was just uh, looking at his stats that they put in the Broncos media guide, and there's four players in NFL history to have more sacks in nine years than him, and they're all Hall of Fame-type guys. Reggie White, Jared Allen, former teammate DeMarcus Ware, Derek Thomas. I mean, it's it's just crushing. I do want to shift, as Will hinted at, though, uh, to, the, to the Titans pass rushers for just a second. Obviously, Jadibian Clowney, the big news. They have Harold Landry, uh, Jeffrey Simmons. Uh, talk to us a little bit, Brandon, about this Broncos offensive line because – you know, Jawan James opts out for the season. So you have Elijah Wilkinson there at right tackle, who did get a lot of starts for them last year. You still got Garrett Bowles at left tackle, who's been a disappointment since he was a first-round pick. Dalton Reisner was certainly a, a highlight for them last year as a rookie. Take us through that group. What, is it 
is it a disaster group or is there something there that can maybe give Broncos fans some encouragement? Because they are going against a very talented pass rush in week one. Yeah, no, they, they're they a decent group. Like, the, the main thing was uh, they played much better once Drew Locke sort of entered the lineup. Uh, when you remove a statue like Joe Flacco, it seems to make the <laughs> offensive line better. And, and that happened. Also, Garrett Bowles uh, made improve. Like his biggest thing was penalties last year. So he just had like a ridiculous number of penalties early. He got better, and then kind of dipped a little bit late in the season. But if he can, you know, not hold guys every play, then he's a decent left tackle. Uh, Reisner was great. They get Lloyd Cushenberry they drafted out of LSU. He's coming in. He's going to start right away. And then they brought in Graham uh, Glasgow from Detroit. So I feel like the interior should be solid. And then Elijah Wilkinson is, yeah, probably the big question mark right now at right tackle. He played well at times. He didn't play well at other times. He's more of like a swing guard slash tackle. Like he's the guy you want to plug in when somebody goes down. But I think there's you know an opportunity for him there to be a decent right tackle but if your quarterback's not sitting back there for eight seconds holding the ball uh i think they'll they'll be decent and if they can make an improvement in one area as a cohesive unit hopefully it's you know sort of in the run game and the broncos rushing attacks a, a little more effective you know that's like the best way to sort of neutralize a really good pass rush if you're kind of worried about your pass protection but I'll be optimistic about him because we have seen zero preseason football. So, yeah, they're going to be really good, really good this year. <laughs> uh, we talked a little bit about the Broncos' biggest signing or acquisition on defense, but we haven't talked yet about uh, their most notable acquisition on offense, which is Melvin Gordon. Uh, what are your expectations for him, and, and what do you think he can he can do for the offense? Because I mean, me in, uh, personally, I thought Philip Lindsay was was one of the better running backs in the NFL. He has been for the past couple of seasons, uh, and Royce Freeman always kind of left something to be desired. But he's de- he's definitely a guy that has talent. Uh, and Melvin Gordon's only had one season above four four yards per carry. Do you think what he's going to give the offense is more from a pass catching perspective because he's very good there? Uh, and how do you think he fits with the other running backs in that room? Yeah, I hope they use him in the passing game more. Uh, I know Philip Lindsay, you know, tried to work on his pass catching game this off season as well, and it's kind of surprising like that. That's not a strength for Philip Lindsay because when you think of like smaller running backs, guys like Austin Eckler, you think about them being you know great passing running backs. Um, so if Philip Lindsay can get a little better there. Uh, that would be great. I think they will use Melvin Gordon more in that situation. Royce Freeman, I think, caught quite a few passes the last couple of years. Um, but hopefully it's, you know, I think they're going to split carries and kind of just which guy schemes the best against, you know, different types of defenses. And is like everybody here in Colorado is huge Philip Lindsay fans. Um, I think like he's always been sort of an underdog. We always root for him. Uh, last year, I'm not even saying like it was his fault because he had a good season. But you know, sometimes 
it's hard to get like a smaller running back like that going. And so hopefully, you know, Melvin Gordon being a little bit bigger, maybe uh, a little stronger can maybe wear down defenses a, a little bit more. I think that's something the Broncos offense missed a little bit is like having a guy where you, when you do get a lead, you can sort of just, you know, gas the other team with a, a running back like Gordon and hopefully, you know, try and take advantage of your home field being at altitude and all that crap that they say is an advantage. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. That was kind of a long winded way to say they'll split carries. And again, they will probably be really, really good. Uh, you, you kind of brought up the advantage of being mile high. It, a lot of people don't realize that I, I'm going to just round up, but it seems like you'll have won the last 30 opening weeks that you've held at home. I mean, it seems like you'll never lose. I think the stat is you've lost like two of your last 25 in the first two weeks of the season at home. So, and again, that, that might not be exactly right, but it's something to that effect. Do you think that not having the preseason and the fact that nobody's actually played 60 minutes or really even 30 minutes of actual football, is that going to hurt a team like the Titans more because they have to travel and they're not conditioned and they're not used to that altitude? Or does it kind of hurt everybody equally because it's not like Denver's been able to have like a really hardcore practice session or scrimmage up there? Yeah, I think right now every team is on a pretty even sort of playing field heading into week one. Uh, I feel like I feel sorry for coaches trying to evaluate rosters and make decisions without seeing, you know, guys be able to, to play. I think there's just going to be like a lot of surprises and things you have to figure out with young guys on the team. So yeah, I, I don't know how much of an advantage really any team has week one outside of maybe teams, you know, kind of like the chiefs uh, who have, Basically, everybody coming back, same coaches, your quarterback's locked in. Uh, The Ravens, I think, are pretty solid for for week one. And maybe even like the Saints, you know, those teams that have that continuity coming back and veteran experience at the quarterback position or dynamic play from the QB position, I feel like those are going to be the the biggest uh, winners in terms of like an advantage week one. And yeah, without fans at the stadium too i think that sort of hurts the broncos home field uh because it's one of the you know the better stadiums in the league at selling out games and always having a a big crowd there so uh probably pretty even that first week through brandon i want to let you go but but real quick before we do i want to ask a question that i've always kind of wanted to ask someone like you who yeah, you do your Bronco stuff, but you also do a lot of national NFL coverage. And my question is this, especially coming off of the, you know, un- and understandably so, the really bad, you know, two and three win seasons, it seemed like there was a major detachment between the national media and their understanding of the Titans. And then as they've gotten better, you know, four straight nine and seven seasons, that gap has seemed to get smaller. But every now and then we'll, we will still see you know, big faces in national media and big talking heads just give the most ridiculous takes and opinions about the Titans that it's, it, it's not just we disagree with them, it's it's they're not grounded in logic and, and, and show a, a fundamental misunderstanding of the team. So I guess what I'm asking, all of that to preface this, 
you as someone that covers this league nationally, where is your knowledge on the Titans? Where do you see them come into the picture? Has it grown as they've gotten better over these last few years? How, where do they fall in sort of the, the big picture? Yeah, I mean, I think they're getting more attention and attention that they deserve. Uh, it's it's always hard when you have, you know, questions at the quarterback position, right? So yeah. Marcus Mariota was hot coming out of college, but then it just – he never became the guy. And I can say it, it's been similar for, for the Broncos with once Peyton Manning left, the interest in the team – you know, dissipates as well when you have guys like Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch, Brock Osweiler sort of coming in and out, Case Keenum. Like, nobody really cares about that, so they don't focus as much attention on sort of what's happening. But I think Ryan Tannehill is uh, an underrated quarterback, and I thought that when he was going to Tennessee. Um, but you have Derrick Henry, who I think is like a national star now. Like watching him run the football is fun. The dude's just like a beast. And the more people he trucks and stiff arms, the the better. It will force people to sort of pay more attention to Tennessee. I think the biggest blunder was Deion Sanders uh, not knowing who uh, Kevin Byard was. Like that was pretty yeah. insulting. Uh, but like y'all and, and Mike Vrabel's he's like one of those coaches I think that people like and are drawn to as well. So if Tennessee's in the you know, a playoff team again, then hopefully some of that changes for you guys. Brandon, thank you so much for your time. We we know you're really busy and and you put out such great stuff that it certainly entertains me throughout the football season. So uh sorry about the Vaughn Miller news. Sorry we had to, to spring that on you, but thanks so much for coming on. Yeah. No, I appreciate you guys having me and for punching me right in the gut just (laughs) breaking that news to me. All right, guys, it's time for Stop the Nonsense. I'm going to go first. Odell Beckham Jr. That's it. That's it. That's the tweet. That's it. That's the tweet. Do you want us to expand on what happened? No, I don't think we need to. We're going to play the audio of the clip right here. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> oh, my God. No, it's wild. wild. Absolutely wild story. I don't know if anyone wants to add something to that. I don't know if it's real, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah, it's certainly up for uh, That is certainly up for debate. Yeah. It does yeah. fit my perception of him. <laughs> like It does, right? Like, He's very eccentric. Yeah, like, he's he seen. I don't know, man. Like... I, I would put nothing past Odell Beckham. Like, he he seems like he wants to live life to the fullest in whatever capacity he thinks that means. Uh, so uh, should I go next? Go or... right ahead, Will. <laughs> you seem so exhausted by that, Luke. Um, all right, so mine's a pretty easy one, and it's kind of a classic. Like, you can tell football's back in the air because mine is CBS's power rankings. Um they have the Titans seventeenth. Oh, <laughs> they have the Titans seventeenth. Uh, they're the eighth team in the AFC behind the Chargers, who again have Tyrod slash Tyrod Taylor as their never quarterback. Watched Tyrod Taylor play a game like no, and and they, if they have, they haven't watched 
Justin Herbert, but it doesn't matter. Uh, they also, also since losing Derwin James, CBS has pushed the Chargers up five spots in their rankings. So that's an interesting way to do that. Uh, the Broncos are ahead of the Titans. They're up three to pass them. Uh, so that's, you know, just a really? Yeah, it, it's, it's a lot of bad. They have the Ravens six just behind the Steelers, number five. I don't. Um, which I don't is get the Steelers thing, man. I don't get it. Ooh, which is just absolutely wild. So, um, and then the, I think Mike Herndon's the one who put this on my timeline because I, I don't. That's I would where I saw it from. Uh, and the the quote that they their quote unquote an, uh, analysis of the Titans is uh, they will again be a team that pushes to get to seven to nine and seven, uh, and if they get in the postseason, they can get hot behind their running game. They do need to throw it better, which is just an asinine thing to say. We like, can't possibly throw it better. It's not year. possible. It's it's yeah. It's like if an AI. It's like, you know, (laughs) when you get your phone and it just does like suggested words to type and like you're like, I'm just going to keep pushing that and see what it will see what it ends up saying. It's like somebody put in the word Titans in a phone from 2016 and was just like, let me just jam on this key for a while. And that's what they got. And they just posted it because I mean, that truly could be the headline from last from like any of the last four years, but not this year. Like it doesn't make any sense this year when, like y'all said, you cannot pass better. It has not happened historically ever that any team has passed better than the Titans yeah. did. So, I mean, you you are more accurate saying that the Chiefs should pass better than the Titans did last year. Matthias, take it away. So, uh, this is a a write-in. We got a DM from our guy at KingFeeds30 who's a friend of the pod. Uh, he wrote in this week's Stop the Nonsense has to include Cap, Colin Kaepernick, being rated above Tannehill oh, yeah. in Madden, right? I was not aware of this. I was not aware of this until this got brought to my attention. And it's just so stupid, man. Like, I understand. <laughs> I understand Madden is trying to, EA, sorry, EA Sports is trying to pretty much just like, get clout from this from from making from bringing Kaepernick back putting him into the game giving him you know a signature celebration and that but how are you gonna rate him how are you gonna yeah, rate this, him above this Daniel? is one of those things like there's been a lot of good things to happen over the last couple of months for you know racial justice and social equality this is one of those things where like you make the joke like you just ended racism it's over now <laughs> because Kaepernick's back in Madden like this is just weird. Yeah, it's, so it's weird. It's very, it's very much like don't look at the horrible reviews of our crappy game for the six. Yeah, yeah, look, the look, look at this cool thing we're doing. Uh, and I mean, what they really should have done if they really wanted to distract everybody is they should have made him like a Madden legend and made him like a ninety-nine overall and just really gone all out with it and just throwing it back to that year when he was insanely hard to stop, like. That's the move. Like, make him a Madden Ultimate Team character or something like that. Don't make a modern version of him when you haven't seen him in four or five years or whatever it's been. Like that. That seems so cheap, and I, I don't know. It just it feels gross to me that they. Uh, 
All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. Hope everyone enjoyed this two-part episode. Be sure to uh, subscribe to the show if you enjoyed. We're going to have great content all year. It's the corona year, but football is back, and we're very excited for that. So for Will and Matias, I am Luke reminding you and everyone in the sports world to stop the nonsense. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.